everyone and welcome back to starting from the pits i am back with another episode and another guest and i am honored to have been joined by alex harrington he is a sports illustrated author he's an f1 accredited writer and everything about this episode it just brings pure happiness to me i loved sitting down and having this conversation with alex and i really hope you enjoyed it too Welcome to the the podcast. Um, Could we start off with going into sort of who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, I mean, I started oh, I started writing like seven years ago. I was in uni doing business and accountancy at the time, um, and this thing called Drive Tribe came up, um, yeah. and kind of at the time I was I was kind of dabbling with writing because my girlfriend now wife we were going on holiday. And I hadn't been on a plane much. We were going on a plane. And she said, you should get a magazine just to have a read. Because it was like three, three, four hour flight. And I picked up an Evo magazine. And I read, I read it. And I was like, this is, this is what I need to do. Yeah. This is great. And I'd never thought about writing beforehand at all. Uh, and I was really bad at English. <laughs> so it kind of came out of nowhere. But um, I wrote an article, kind of like my first little kind of just kind of like a little opinion while I was on holiday. Yeah. And I thought, I love doing this. This is great. And then that Drive Tribe thing came up. And so I got into, into Drive Tribe. Um, I was like one of the first, I don't know, like one of the original users. They had like a term for us, but I can't remember. It was just, you know, one of us testers, basically. We were guinea pigs. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. And they were watching what I was doing. And I was just writing about cars and, and the Grand Tour Top Gear and stuff like that. And they offered me a job as a freelance writer. So I went on writing with them, which was great, but I wanted a bit more. I didn't want to just write about Jeremy Clarkson, basically. Yeah. So I, I basically started asking around with different websites. Um, and I mean, back I was like 18, no, 20, 21, maybe quite shy, not very confident. And I was like, you know what? I love doing this. I just need to put myself out there. And uh, I got onto a website called Grand Tour Nation. I started writing for them and then eventually I kind of moved up with them and I moved into a management role. Um, and we have a number of other websites as well. So I still write for Grand Tour Nation, but I'm more of a management role. Right. And then, like I said, we, we have a number of other websites, including some kind of American uh, American team websites, Dodgers Nation, for example. It's, it's a really big website. And Sports Illustrator came along and said, we're kind of interested in Dodgers Nation. I was nothing really to do with that. I don't know anything about baseball and I know nothing about American sports. But we were just kind of dabbling with F1 at the time because I've been watching F1 for years and years and years. I love the sport, but I never thought about writing about it. Yeah. Um, and Sports Illustrated were like, well, we don't really do anything with F1, but we've seen, you know, with Drive to Survive, things like that, how popular it's become. Do you fancy doing that? So I leapt at the idea, really. And yeah, I've, I've, I'm just doing that now. So writing on F1 Briefings, which is Sports Illustrated's F1 site, and um, doing a few other bits with Sports Illustrated websites that they've got, um, and enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> How do you have time to enjoy life? You're so busy. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I lied. Um, it's I am incredibly busy, but... You know, writing with Sports Illustrated and, and doing the kind of work that that I do, I'm very lucky to be doing it because it offers all of these amazing opportunities. Of course, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, doing it for work means it feels like work. So, you know, yeah. going to some lovely country to follow to to write about F1 is amazing, but I don't get to see much of the country. <laughs> of course, yeah. 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 
So when you started writing, obviously I've seen that you are an accredited F1 journalist. Yes. Um, how does that differ to being a regular journalist? What was the process in getting that accreditation? So accreditation basically means that the FIA trusts you. Ah, okay. And it means that they will um, give you access to um, to the, the media, basically the, the media right. locations at, at the races. Okay. And it took us a long time to do this because Sports Illustrated is massive. The website's really big. Yeah. But we had no history with F1 or very little history anyway. So we had to, you know, I've I've worked with big websites before and tiny websites. And it was it was a really different way of working with Sports Illustrated because we had to show that we could just write about F1. And yeah. because of that, we had to go through the motions of any other website. You know, we had to... Right pick up news that other websites were talking about and and kind of talk about the quotes that they were getting, obviously sourcing them and uh, just kind of, you know, climbing up that ladder that everyone has to has to climb up. Obviously, with Sports Illustrated, it didn't take a long time yeah. because the website is massive and, you know, it's um, very fortunate to, to have that opportunity. And uh, but yeah, eventually the first the first race we went to was Miami because obviously the American yeah. Connection. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So you know, second time, uh, the, the race went on, and I mean, it was crazy. But we went there, and we'd never done it before, mm-hmm. and we just kind of looked around, thinking, "What are we doing? <laughs> this is ridiculous." <laughs> yeah. We got there late because the the flight was a bit late, and that meant we actually missed. So before a race, if you didn't know the journalists, there's a big opportunity to get together. Okay. And so I think it's the Wednesday night usually. Because yeah. everything kicks off on the Thursday and it's the time and opportunity to meet everyone and get to know everyone, say hello, show your face. And we missed it. And I we felt awful because um, we were just stood in a line with our passports at the time. <laughs> but we eased into it. Um, but it's crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy yeah. job. Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've been to Miami. What was, what's been one of the most oh my God moments from when you've been watching a race that you've had to report then on? Well, I mean, when when I used to watch races without reporting, yeah, one one moment that did stand out. So I was just watching it as a fan, a roaming ticket to Silverstone, which was incredible. And if anyone hasn't done that, they really need to just go to a race and just mm. just walk around and absorb it. I remember Sebastian Vettel when he was driving for Ferrari. He span at the corner we were stood at, right. and what what got me was everyone booed and as he was getting out the car everyone like jeered him booed him and I was like this guy is racing yeah seriously like dangerous conditions anything could go wrong and he gets out the car and people boo him right and I was just like damn like there needs to be some kind of it made me feel more appreciative of what they were doing okay so that was quite a pivotal moment for me yeah. and now because of that I have this appreciation which I can then put into my writing of course yeah it then gives you that sort of yeah like you say appreciation of what it is and you you don't put that biased opinion across maybe as well exactly yeah it was just you know a moment of these guys whoever the driver is whether you dislike the person or not yeah they are driving for our entertainment and, yeah and I know they get paid millions and millions of dollars or you know whatever currency but they're doing something for us and we should all appreciate it as a journalist oh, I mean there have been several moments where I've just being completely jaw to the floor um you know what it was first moving it uh first getting into the media center because you know writing I write from home usually 
Right. It's just the way Sports Illustrated works. They they um they don't outsource, but everyone is well, the majority of people just work from home. And it's very different than going to a track and seeing journalists who've been doing this for years and years and years. Yeah. It's such a different environment and it's so weird because you just feel like you've got a backstage pass. It's it's amazing. And you go in, it's like incredibly cold with the air conditioning, always incredibly cold. And everyone's just like, there are just people that I've been reading, you know, authors that I've been reading their stuff for right. ages and they just sat around like normal people. And that that was jaw dropping to me. I'm a bit of a nerd like that, really. <laughs> I love that, I love it. So do you, when you go to the race, do you find it easier to write when you are at the races? Because obviously you're soaking in the atmosphere. You can get that through into your writing a bit better. Yeah, but... Is that what you try and tell your manager? It's better to be there. Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping that no one watches what I'm about to say. So so it's two very different experiences. Like when you're at home, you see everything. You've got every view, every every interview they're doing. You've got everything in front of you on the screen. When you're at the media center, you've got a couple of TVs in front of you. You've got your laptop so you can keep up. Yeah. But then you're moving to from team to team to do interviews and you miss so much of what's actually going on. Yes, you get this real life reaction and you know it is incredible to to just see it and be a part of it. But in regards to in regards to how easy it is, it's so much easier to right. just wait for the drivers to do their interviews with other yeah. journalists. But there is nothing better than talking to a driver and actually asking your own questions yeah no um yeah it's just it's just you know the whole in the whole environment the whole scenario just still seems surreal it's it's amazing yeah I'm I'm dreaming of the day don't worry (laughs) I don't think it'll be long (laughs) feel honored um do you do you still are you still able to sit and watch and enjoy races or do you always have that sort of journalist mentality of oh I'm gonna write about that I love to sit and watch races mm-hmm. it's it's the fact I have to write about it 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 pains me to pick up my laptop okay um, because you know it's very difficult even from someone who works with Sports Illustrated F1 is still very they're still very gatekeepy yeah so you know it's still a struggle for us to get to races at the moment right even though we've got you know all the Name. clicks all, all the page views yeah. the branding they're still like mm, but you've only been doing it for two years Right. Like, well, yes, but we've got, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's completely fine. F1 can do what they want to do. That's um they they just, you know, they they love their history. I think that's that's the point. They love their history and they love the people they know, which is completely fine. We've just got to gain their trust. Um so yeah, we are we do usually write in this office with um with with the F1 going, and it's so difficult. If something happens, you know, during the race, we've got kind of a pre-race during the race and post-race mentality so pre-race yeah. is all the interviews leading up to the race what do people need to know and you know are there any uh, records that need to be broken things like that during the race is actually covering what's happened if anything happens like um, usually it's a crash or something's wrong with a car someone doesn't get into qualifying or you know like if Hamilton doesn't get into um, Q3 and it's unexpected or something like that something that people will be interested in yeah. kind of like if someone isn't able to watch, what would they want to read about? Right. Well, you know, at work or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then post-race is obviously interviews, reactions to the race, that kind of stuff. It is so difficult 
while watching the race to actually pick up the laptop and write about something because then I miss the race. <laughs> yeah, of course, I get that, I get that. So pre the pre-race, yeah. how far in advance do you start writing and start getting your ideas together? We start Monday. Okay, so the full week. You're, the you're full week. It's, it's a. I don't get a day off. It's yeah. a long week. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I love it. I, I'm not complaining at all. I love no. it. So Monday we start with what do people need to know? It's it's that kind of. We literally have a calendar written out, and yeah. um, it's, it's like what do people? Story, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like it is just starting the story. Like you're prepping people. If we almost think about it, if someone's going down to the pub. Yeah. And they're talking with their mates about what's going to happen in the F1. We kind of want to give them the information like, oh, yeah, yeah, Hamilton's, uh, he's, he could break a record. Or, yeah, Verstappen, right. he could break Sebastian Vettel's record this weekend, mm-hmm. things like that. So it's prepping. And even like if you're going to the race, what do you need to know? So where, um, where's the best way to, where's the best place to stand? Where's, what do you need to know right. about the track? Yeah. Uh, is the track a high downforce, low downforce, that kind of thing? So it's yeah. just prepping people. And then as we go, you know, Wednesday, you start to get a few interviews coming through. Thursday, that's when the majority of the interviews will happen at the track. Um, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're lucky if you've got any time to get interviews. Yeah. Um, but obviously the drivers have the, the standard kind of, you know, roundtable interviews, basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, Monday, it all starts again. But then it's also reflecting on what's happening over the race. So it's a really long week. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, but I mean, it's, it's great fun. And the thing, you know, because we have that idea already, we have the structure already. Mm-hmm. It's not too much of, um, of a difficulty, really. Yeah. So obviously, you mentioned it requires quick thinking and that kind of thing. How do you adjust yourself to getting into that mindset of this needs to be perfect it needs to go out do you have a, an approval process or how do you make sure that the best article goes out as fast as possible so there are a number of things to think about when it comes to publishing on at the right time not only do you want to you know if you've got a breaking story then it goes out straight away yeah but at the same time we've got to think about time zones and if we've got a story that would appeal more to american readers Mm-hmm. Then we put it out at a prime American time. Yeah. And then vice versa in England or Canada. It also depends on the driver. You know, if it's um, if it's Zuguan Yu, then yeah. we're looking at times across the across the planet. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's difficult. You know, when you go into a race weekend and you're there, you tend to be working from when you get up about 6:30 and then falling asleep with your laptop about 11 30 p.m. Right. And you're just filled with adrenaline. There's so much, you are just riding on adrenaline, especially if you're jet lagged and everything. Yeah. So, it, you know, you get drivers, which is really great. So you're driven from an F1 hotel to the race. And then at the race, you've got all the resources that you need. So what you, what I tend to do really is, is I work when I'm being driven and it's, okay. it's, it's, um, you know, I love being driven. It's great because you're just you've just got so much work that you know you're you're getting ready for interviews you're getting ready for for you know putting your information together to then prep yourself for an interview whatever um or then writing up an interview so you're there I'm there at least with my notepad thinking I'm basically doing a Ted Kravitz and I'm just putting all the (laughs) all the notes down trying to get my Ted's notebook and then when you're there you just think I mean the first time I did it was scary as hell yeah Um, and but it is just the adrenaline that keeps you going 
And then once you've got all the content, the breaking news goes out straight away. Um, but then for the rest of the day or for the rest of the week, you're thinking, okay, what story aligns with what type of reader and what location of reader? And then you would just adapt to time zones. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's honestly, it sounds mental. <laughs> I don't know how it you... is. It's, it's amazing. It's, a, it doesn't feel like work. Honestly, I, I, yeah. every day I'm like, I'm so damn lucky to be doing this because I love the sport and writing about it just gives me an excuse to talk yeah. about it all, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. It's absolutely fair enough. So <laughs> speaking of the interviews, you obviously, you got to interview Seb at Goodwood. Oh yeah. That talk was, you about that. that was unbelievable. So we were going to cover uh goodwood festival of speed sports yeah. illustrated anyway and they let you in which is great in the first place then they show you again it's very similar to kind of going to an f1 weekend they yeah. have a media room for you where you've got all the all uh the information you've got tvs everything we don't spend a lot of time in there but because yeah. there's so much to see so Crazy my that, main man. oh it's um, incredible isn't it it's so <laughs> yeah. incredible it's amazing i saw your photos i was like like Disneyland for all of us it's yeah it is there's always something going on like yeah. then there's nothing on the track and like a cool plane goes over yeah and I know nothing about planes but I can still no, appreciate it <laughs> um but yeah I mean my main mission was to get a video for my social media guy um right and then you know we were going to do like a couple of a couple of write-ups like why you should go that kind of thing you know what to watch that kind of thing and then we got an email saying Bettle's here as we knew he was would you like to interview him and then you know my heart stopped obviously yeah <laughs> give me five minutes to kind of contain my thoughts <laughs> and um and then I was you know shaking emailing back going yes please I'd really like to do that so I mean that was mental in the first place you know being being asked to interview Sebastian Vettel is absolute dream come true and yeah. you go in and they give you this cool lanyard and you feel like an absolute boss <laughs> And you sit down with like everyone, like, I'm like, oh, I know you from the TV, stuff like that. And Bethel just walks past so nonchalantly. Yeah. Just like nothing can touch him. Just down to earth. He's the, honestly the nicest guy. And he's so passionate and so, yeah. in, so knowledgeable, so intelligent. And the way he talks is just incredible. And I was there, I was trying to film it at the same time and you can literally see my video just shaking because I'm so excited. Stabilizer mode was like at hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was, if it could go to 110%, I would have put it on. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And um, yeah, he just, I don't know, there's just something so human about him. Yeah. You know, a lot of F1 drivers you talk to and they're very, um, you, can, you can just tell that they know they're an F1 driver. Like yeah. they know they're good special yeah exactly and but Vettel is just like I don't know what he was like when he was racing but now he's yeah just the nicest most human guy and I love what he's I love what he's trying to fight I love that he's trying to use these sustainable fuels and obviously they work and yeah. you know he's just so passionate about it yeah. and it just comes through to every journalist there because they they just get totally absorbed into what he's talking about. It's right. the whole thing, the whole place That's just right. goes quiet. Yeah. 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 So, by the sounds of it, you didn't have much time to prepare for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I had about how, an hour. How did you prepare for it? What was uh, the process with that? I whipped out the notebook again. Right. Every time the, the notebook is really handy. And so my process is first question is what do people want to know? Yeah. Like, what do people want to ask Seb? Regardless of the news going on at the moment, what do people want to know about Seb? So it's like, 
what are you doing now? Are you enjoying life away from F1? It's the kind of basic life questions. Yeah. And then once I've got a few of them down, it depends on how much time I've got as well. If I've got half an hour with someone, which is very rare, Mm -hmm. um, then you need like 50 questions. I I want to overrate the questions. So you kind of, you think about timeliness and then you think, okay, what are the stories going on at the moment? So obviously the stories was, oh, trying to think. It was, it was sustainable fuels um, and then classics. And then, you know, is he going to, the main kind of rumor at the time was, is he going to join F1 as some sort of sustainability manager, Uh, something like that. So that was obviously a question I wanted to ask. And you just put all these questions down on the notepad and cross your fingers that it goes well right yeah yeah and it, I'm looking and it all went well it did it went brilliantly it was I came out once again shaking and it was <laughs> it was so weird yeah literally I was I was crawling out but it was so weird because it's in like this really fancy area really fancy and that's just me like just Alex yeah. just walking yeah just literally like what's up and honestly there's like a red carpet and I was and people are taking photos of people of, of whoever's walking out of this really fancy area and they see me and they're like oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was <laughs> like come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of people who sort of great characters who is somebody that stood out for you in an interview maybe not Seb you've spoke about Seb yeah. the- uh, and they all stand out they're all so passionate is there anybody that's been like you've come away from that and you thought, yeah, that was really good? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not on my not on my side. I've all, I'm always disappointed in my work. Um, Alex Alban, he's so. I feel like he's he's the rising star right now. Okay. He's um, you know, and James Vowles, what he's doing with Williams, and I was talking to them about you know their plans with Williams and just the future of F1, and they are just so. They're the kind of people who just sit and listen to you. Right. And and then they take a minute and you can see them just thinking about your about your question. And they give you this incredible answer that they've really thought about. And you can just tell that they aren't giving you, you know, with with F1, a lot of these drivers are PR trained. And they are told to give template answers, basically. They have a script, but you can tell with Alex especially that he doesn't work off a script and he's really thinking about it. But my most memorable interview, and it's actually outside of F1, was Jeremy Clarkson. I interviewed him. Yeah, he was, he is scary. I can imagine, I feel like I'm getting like head teacher vibes from him. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes, that's right, yeah. He is tall, he is a big, big man. But he, so the first interview I did with him was a round table interview, it was over Zoom. And there are a number of other journalists, six, seven other journalists at the same time. And they're from the Sun, the Daily Mail, um, you know, car magazines, that kind of thing. And I was there and I, this was like one of the first interviews I'd ever, I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I am just, I'm not in the right place. Like they, <laughs> these guys are, are big and then there's me. And there was another guy who was also from a website I hadn't, I didn't know about. And it went to him first. And so he was just before me in this round table. And he, he asked Jeremy, can you explain the chemistry you have with Richard Hammond and James May? And Jeremy just went, no, Google it. And, and then the question came to me. Oh, <laughs> I feel so thick. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I felt one really bad for this guy because, wow. you know, it's in front of a load of journalists. And then the, the 
kind of everyone turned to me. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be shot or something. Like something's bad. But when you ask him the right questions, he again is just one of these really knowledgeable, yeah. outspoken people. And he puts on this facade, but he really knows what he's talking about. And he talks with such love and such passion. And I mean, he's crazy. He's crazy yeah. anyway. So, and just listening to him is, is a pleasure, really. Yeah. So what did you ask him? Oh, God. What did I ask him? So what was it about, first of all? What was it about? It was about one of the episodes. Oh, God, it was years ago. Now <laughs> you put me on the spot now. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, I'll have a think. I'll have a think. I can't remember. I asked him a number of questions. Did he uh, respond what matters? Yes. yes. He liked my questions. All he right, liked good. Questions. good, good, good. Yeah. So I saw on your Instagram you got into a party hosted by Lewis Hamilton. I yeah, that was know, I need to know everything about that. <laughs> so, okay. What was being served? Who was there? And what kind of music was on? Oh, okay, right. So, and where was I? It? Was it was in Miami? It yeah. was in Miami. So the first, obviously, like I said, the first race we went to with Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated is owned by a company called the Arena Group. Right. And the Arena Group, I believe that's also owned by another company. Right. I can't, I can't remember what they're called. It's something brands, something rather. Right. Lewis Hamilton's a stakeholder of that company. Ah. And this is something we didn't know because we, you know, it's when I learned this, I thought, oh, is that is that like a kind of should we be thinking about what we're writing? <laughs> you know, yeah. like because you know, we're not bias if something happens regardless of who it is we just give people the facts yeah. and you know that means at some point we're gonna say something bad about Lewis Hamilton that he's not gonna like and we thought oh is that a conflict of interest Sports Illustrated fine with it thank goodness right um but we were in Miami I just finished um at the Williams tent and I got an email from the product director saying oh there's a party tonight um there's a chance you could interview Lewis Hamilton. Do you want to come? And I was like, uh, no, no, that scares me. That scares <laughs> me a lot. <laughs> it would, it had been a day of um, just up and down emotions. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so obviously I said, yes. How could I not say yes? Seriously. We got there and it was by Miami beach. It was at this incredible hotel. It was the first thing I'd ever been to where my name was on a list. And it felt honestly, I'd, I'd never felt more British that that is the thing I've never felt more out of place (laughs) (laughs) it was yeah I felt so polite (laughs) um and I mean there are just these people everywhere James Marsden the actor James Marsden he walked past me and I was like that's that's that guy for tv (laughs) and you know Lewis Hamilton is there just like any other guy just having drinking water interestingly it was the it was the Thursday night, so he was okay. completely off the alcohol. You know, very pure, very, very thinking about work. He left very early, which is good to see. Um, who else was there? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, he right. was there. Massive, massive guy. Um, and then my wife saw someone called Meredith from TikTok. Okay. She, it's a, sure. I don't know. Okay, good. It's not just me then, thank God. Um there were just loads of people there. It was it was crazy. And it was the kind of thing where you just, you get anything. I'm just a journalist. Yeah. And there are actors and people here. And 
you know, I, it was lovely of Sports Illustrated to invite me. I got to talk to the CEO of Sports Illustrated, which was great. And oh, one good thing, actually, we were being served the Ferrari champagne that they have on the podium. Oh my God, that's so cool. That was really cool. I was like, nice. this is, I'm we never going to forget today. this. Yeah. Um, but the annoying thing, so they were giving out these like nibbles, <laughs> I suppose yeah. you call them. And it was lovely, really lovely, like amazing stuff. We missed uh, literally like an all-you-can-eat lobster buffet in the other room. I got back and I saw the photos. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Missing out on lobster? I don't, I don't eat lobster. I could have eaten lobster. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, what music was going on? There was a DJ. I didn't recognize the DJ. I didn't recognize the music either. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, and everyone was so nice. And I mean, American people are so friendly; like they are so outwardly friendly. They'll just come over to you and just talk. And you know, I think in England we're a bit we keep to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was amazing. And then uh, yeah, they had a load of whiskey, and I love whiskey, so that was that was my night sorted. Unfortunately, I didn't. I wasn't able to interview Hamilton. I haven't interviewed Hamilton yet. That is still up there for me. On the um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, getting there. But it was it was ridiculous. It was a night I won't forget. It was yeah. crazy. So I can imagine after a night like that, it's pretty hard to get into the frame of mind to write anything. Um, yes, yes. The <laughs> next morning, definitely. <laughs> Do you have any rituals or anything like routines before you start to write to get yourself into the zone? Or is it just a case of head down, let's go? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. So I need my morning coffee. I need my morning coffee. Yeah. Um, How do you take your coffee? Depends how I'm feeling. That's Ooh. a very good question. So I like an espresso. Okay. I like an espresso for a long time. Oh my God, I'm going to sound so pretentious. I'm not pretentious, I promise. But I used to start the morning with a bit of jazz and an espresso, uh, a double espresso. Oh, thanks. It just put me right in the mood because this is stressful doing this. And yeah. the jazz just like brought me down. I was like, you know what? I'm ready to work. Um, oh, I don't do that anymore, but I used to. And that used to put me in a really good mood. Um, and then my wife laughed at me and I, I stopped doing it. But um, <laughs> um, I just have to, I have to have a clean desk. I don't at the moment. It is embarrassingly scruffy, but I need to have a clean desk. And I just, I don't know. I've tried, I tried to start going to the gym. That's because I, I realized that I was doing nothing to actually better right. myself physically and sitting in an office all day does very little for you, for like you, you physically. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that in the morning. That's like a new thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just like, it's just reading what's going on and just thinking as I start the day, it's thinking, okay, what's the story of the day? What's like the plot going into today, eventually going into the race and then I can just kind of align in my head where we are in the timeline of everything going on. And then I just think, you know, I just think, what do people want to know? Yeah. So that's it, really. I'm very simple. I guess it's just keeping the audience in the forefront of your mind at all times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because especially with the website being American, I think yeah. there are a lot with Drive to Survive, there are a lot of new F1 fans coming in. Yeah. So one thing we wanted to do with the website was have like beginner content mm -hmm. that can then push you into becoming a nerd like me basically so we try to do that and it's always it's it's always difficult to think it's always difficult to like gear yourself in that mentality like 
you know, we can talk about Helmut Marco or whoever, but we think, actually, wait a second, will people know who Helmut Marco is? Let's do an introduction on him. Let's right. let's guide people to to a guide on who he is and what he does. So it's it's that kind of mentality. Yeah, almost create an encyclopedia. Of- exactly. Yeah. I'd love to do that if I had the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we get there. We 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 pick a bit off each day. <laughs> so time for some quick fire questions just so people Ooh, can okay. quite nicely. So like um Ferrari or Mercedes? Or anybody Ferrari. else? Oh, uh, Williams. Okay, I like it. Just like because it. I like the underdog. Okay. Monaco or Spa? Spa. Rain or Warm weather. These are supposed to be quick, Alex. Uh, rain. <laughs> nice, nice. Only a few. It's all right. We'll keep it short and simple. <laughs> I won't let you use your brain that much. Yeah. Okay. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And finally, last question. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Oh, this is this is this is difficult because I think for a lot of people, the season's been very dull. Yeah. You know, Red Bull has been winning every single race. And it doesn't look, you know, there's these regulation changes with the wings and Red Bull's supposed to be taking a slight deficit because the the design of their car kind of misaligns with the change in rules. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference at all. I think F1 is trying to get people excited. Yeah. Um, But people are too intelligent. They, They know that F1's doing that. So I think this is an important kind of, it's an important year because now we know the change in regulations don't really work. Yeah. You know, I, I know that the field is so much close together, but there is still dominance from a single team. Yeah. And obviously, you know, to say it over and over again, we've always had single team dominance. Yeah. That's always been a thing. Um, Mercedes, <laughs> Ferrari. There's just more opinions these days. Like more people. Yes. Working, so yeah. Social media. Yeah, so- yeah, exactly. Social media is crazy, which is a great thing. Um, but you know, and Red Bull deserve this. They've done everything right, and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be knocked for just doing the right thing and doing a great job. And Verstappen is an incredible driver. You know, there's no doubting that. Mm-hmm. But there's also because of this dominance, there's no doubting that the regulations have failed. Yeah. And you know, I know there's like I just said, there's always been dominance, but these regulations were specifically brought in to stop that dominance. So I think F1 still has a long way to go. And this year, I feel like it's just a, a, a year of of learning and assessing. And, you know, the teams have kind of got over the, the porpoising issue. So we're having more of, more battles in the kind of the mid and yeah. end of the grid, which is great. But I do think F1 still needs to do something. Yeah. And um, it's not going to happen overnight, is it really? They need to yeah. work out the wiggle room and yeah exactly so it's it's gonna it's gonna be a process yeah yeah definitely and this is just part of that process there's 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 always been years like this I think people just need to they need to kind of enjoy the sport for what it is so when I watch it I'm just watching in awe thinking how are they that precise yeah you know and they are just they drive with such precision and such talent that's what I try to appreciate over the more dramatic moments, you know, someone crashing or um, someone else winning, you know, it's just in, in moments like these, and there always will be moments like these, we've just got to appreciate what the sport is. And it's difficult for, for, for a lot of people. It's difficult for me, um, but it's just, you know. Yeah. 
Just and appreciate also, it. We need to remember we're actually witnessing history right now. Like Max yes. dominance and this entire season is something that's not really been done before. Yeah, it must be celebrated. You know, if okay. if we celebrate Hamilton, Schumacher, you know, can how can we not? Yeah, how can we not yeah. celebrate Verstappen when, you know, I obviously it's it's always half machine, half car. Uh, sorry, <laughs> half half man, half machine. Yeah, I know what you mean. And we just need to we just need to celebrate the whole thing. You know, they've just the rules are there. They all have the same rules. Yes, they are kind of differing budgets. Um, but Red Bull's just absolutely owned it. And that should be celebrated, like you said, definitely. Yeah. So my absolute last question. Um, I so I put out to the listeners, we have like a free playlist on Spotify called the Garage Radio. And I ask all of my guests what their song of the week is. So Alex, what is your song of the week? Oh my god. If you were to get in your car right now, put a song on, what's going on? And I'll add it to the playlist. It's gotta be ACDC, shoot to thrill. It's gotta oh. be. It came on today and I was like, this is a bang. Bit of rock and roll. Great, great driver song, yeah. All right, nice. I love a bit of rock and roll. Perfect. Right. Well, that is the end of the episode. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for the invite. It's been it's amazing. Been I love it. Great.